Hey, welcome everybody. It's time for another episode of Closing the Wealth Gap because well, you know what's going on out there. The rich are getting richer and the poor, ha, but it doesn't have to be that way. You can close the wealth gap in your own life, wherever you come from, whatever your story. There are techniques tried and true from the man who's tried most of them himself and helped millions along the way. Our coach, Tyrone French. Hey, Tyrone. Hey, Paul, great introduction. I want to say uh, thank you for all of our listeners that tune in and listen to us have our conversations and, and vent. And there's a lot of stuff going on in the world right now. So it's, it, and the reason I'm kind of like jumping right into it today yeah, is because right. it, there's a, there's a topic that's been on my heart. It's near and dear. And it goes back to a lot of, a lot of my listeners out there don't know that I'm a veteran. And I, I don't think we've heard. I, I'm always trying to get you to tell more of your backstory because I think it's so fascinating the work that you did in the in the uh, uh, in the Navy. You uh, just real quickly, what did you do? You did avionics. I was a, I was an avionics technician in the Navy. I, I joined. I went to boot camp in 1981, and I was prior to boot camp though I was in um, in ROT, NJ ROTC, mm. and so I was in Navy ROTC. Um, knew I was going to join the Navy, but I didn't know exactly what field I wanted to go into. So my recruiter said, well, hey, you know what? Uh, you can pretty much go in what's called non-designated. I didn't know what that was. Yeah, but he right. said, basically, I'll get you in aviation, but once you get once you get to your command, you can figure out, you know, the type of work that you want to do. And I was like, wow, that sounds great. Um, so, I, you know, get to my first command. I'm in uh, station on this, this small island in the North Pacific called Guam. Yeah, I uh, had never heard of it. But when, when, <laughs> there you are. <laughs> yeah, when I got there, man, it was like, oh my god, what have I done? Yeah. But, uh, long story short, uh, man, some of the people that I met on Guam, which is a beautiful island, by the way, okay. um, are still some of the best friends that I have to date. Really? And I left that island back in uh, was nineteen eighty four, eighty five, Today, I mean, uh, maybe a couple of years ago, about three years ago, we started to have a, a reunion. And that, the squad, the squadron that I was in was called VQ-1. Okay. So we started having this VQ-1 reunion, and some of the guys uh, that were stationed there during the time I was there, we'd come together. And as life would have it, you know, and we're older now, uh, a couple of guys had passed away. Recently, we lost a really, oh. really good friend. Wow, yeah. And it, it made me think about, my longevity and and preparedness and you know and that's a topic nobody when we put the title up everybody's going to cringe and go i don't want to talk about final expenses let somebody else worry about that i can't think about it. i'm I, I, oh, i'm going to live forever i'm a little kid i'm not going to face the reality here and the reality is it's something it's inevitable yeah it's going to happen so the longer you put it off it's almost like a cancer yeah. The longer you put it off, it doesn't get better. Mm-mm. It gets worse. Can I it tell you worse. just a couple of quick stories from my life? Sure. So obviously, I'm I just turned sixty five uh, this past uh, couple of weeks, and congratulations. I, As a matter of fact, it's good that you even know that you're sixty five. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I suddenly am thinking it's it's hit me in a wave. Oh my goodness, I'm in the last act here. I don't know what it is. Is it thirty years? Is it twenty years? Is it ten years? You know. Um, I've had two of my childhood best friends die in the last couple of years. That shocked me wow. in my 60s. I didn't think it would start happening that soon. Uh, uh, heart attacks and that kind of stuff. 
And so suddenly it's on my mind too, and I'm instantly reminded stuff you don't want to think about. My own mother and dad passed away in the last uh, 10 years, and my aunt, uh, my, who I adored, my mother's unmarried sister, I took care of all three of them as an only child. And one by one, they all left. And one by one, I said, I'm going to have it set better than this. The mess, they all left. The confusion, the chaos. At a moment of pain and crisis, I'm su- I was subjected to, see, I'm start tearing up here thinking about it, um, they didn't have a lot of this stuff figured out. They didn't want to think about it or talk about it. My dad was the best prepared because he was that kind of guy, but my mom certainly not, my aunt certainly not. Right. And the it, it's just overwhelming. At, the, at a moment of grief, you're asking your loved ones to figure out your finances, to, to pay to put you in the ground or to pay for cremation, and it's expensive as heck. To well, do Paul, all this Paul, stuff here, oh my here. goodness! You, you you just you said a mouthful. Yeah. Let me let me jump in here. A person they could have been the best mother, grandmother, grandfather, sister, brother, cousin. They could have been the best of the best in the world. Right. But the bottom line is, you remember the first thing you remember is the position they left you in. Yes. All of that, all of that other stuff is secondary. You think about, wow, this was, it went smoothly and it went easily, or it was a gigantic mess. Yes. And again, like I said, I just recently lost a friend to uh, COVID-19. Uh, he was one of the younger guys in the group. Uh, well, I, I should say he was one of the best. He was in the best shape. Like, this guy's, you know, late 50s, uh, still had a six-pack, lived at the gym. Right. Uh, traveled. You know, he lived the life. He lived his life on his own terms. Yes. And one day he's on Facebook and it's like, hey, you know, guys, you know, if, if you, you know, if I don't make it through this, you know, uh, just know that I, I lived a great life. And it, it threw me off. And so I immediately contact him. He's in the hospital, uh, but he sounds good. You know, we're laughing. We're talking. Uh, as a matter of fact, I, I told him, I said, man, we hadn't I haven't laughed this hard hmm. in a long, long time. Hmm. And so I said, I tell you what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to call you back tomorrow, so, you know, and, and check on you. Um, well, the next day, you know, I was, I was busy. I was th- thinking about a whole lot of stuff. He crossed my mind. I didn't stop what I was doing to call him. I said, oh, well, I'll give him a call tomorrow. Um, another friend of mine reached out to him. Same thing. They were laughing and talking, having a great time. He said, well, yeah, I'll reach out to you. All of a sudden, one morning, uh, I get a text message saying that this person had passed away. They're gone. I laying down in bed checking my They're phone. They're gone. They're There's, gone. I, yeah. I mean, I immediately jumped straight up. It's like, no, this this can't be. I just talked. I just talked to him a couple of days ago. Um, so I'm calling him. He's not responding. Texts, messaging, emails. Nobody's responding. I, I go back to the group and say, Hey, look, you know, I just got some bad news. Uh, can somebody confirm this? Uh, we had a, a very hard time confirming. And, and so what I I just started tracking down people, the people that I knew in Maryland. You know, mm-hmm. to, to find my friend. Right. And bottom line was um, ended up uh, he tested negative for COVID the first time they tested him, but the second time around, he you know he was he was positive. Mm-hmm. And he had the symptoms, you know, the the the, the violent vomiting, the, the headaches. Yeah. Uh, Difficulty know, breathing. Out. Right. Yeah. Diff- but the issue was that he ended up being transported from one hospital to another, uh, slipped into a coma, and then went into cardiac arrest and passed away. We just had the memorial service uh, last Saturday. Uh, it was it was very sombering. Had it on Zoom. Yeah. Uh, his family, 
and friends were on. There was a lot of people in attendance, so he touched a lot of lives. But again, the, the narrative of this story, I keep hearing it over and over and over and over and over again with these veterans and people you know, passing away and not being prepared. Mm-hmm. And so there's, a, there's an organization that, and it, just full disclosure, uh, I don't make a dime off the information that I'm going to present today, okay. but it's something that people absolutely need to know. There's a program, that, or there, I should say there's a, uh, a service called the Funeral Consumer Guardian Society. I'm, uh, it's a mouthful, so I'm just going to repeat it. Yeah. It's called the Funeral Consumer Guardian Society. Okay. What they do is they help families to make sure that everything goes, goes easy and smoothly at that time of their greatest need. Mm-hmm. And what do I mean by that? They'll contact the insurance company for you. Because so, a lot of times somebody mm. will pass away and the family members, they don't even know if the person has insurance. No. They don't even. So they, what they'll do is they'll keep those records, meaning that you can literally, once you get this service, they, they give you two options. Hey, we'll either send you the forms and over a cup of coffee and with your family and friends, you can sit down and go ahead and plan out your funeral exactly the way you want it. Mm-hmm. Or we can do everything uh, over the phone. Uh, and you can pretty much tell us how you want everything mapped out. But here's the beauty of this service. A lot of times when somebody passes away, they have to go through that loved one, so they have to go through their stuff. Uh, if it's a brother or a sister, there, they it. have to go to their house. And digging, their digging, stuff. looking, trying to figure out what's there. Trying to find out what's there. With the Funeral Consumer Guardian Society, what they'll do is they have a database. And so you can literally tell them, um, to your executor or to your trustee, hey, this, I have this file in this file cabinet. Mm-hmm. I have this information here. I have this information there. I bank at this bank. Yes. XYZ bank. So give me, let me give you, let me just stop you again. So I went through this with my wife's uh, father, who was a great guy, and he died a number of years ago. And his mother was the old school mother, you know, stay-at-home wife. She knew nothing about the finances and everything. And they didn't have a lot of money. And, oh, my God, I was elected to go through this stuff. And he had this crazy accounting system. I don't know how he came up with it, but things were filed in weird ways all over the place. She didn't know where the bank account was. She didn't know anything about an insurance policy. He had bet a veteran. We had to investigate. There was a little thing you can get to do a headstone and some other things because he didn't want to be cremated. Um, You know, and at the moment of crisis – we're flying back to Pennsylvania, and we've got like you know a weekend to figure that we're going to have a funeral, and what would he want to do, and how should we do this, and where do we do it, and where, and suddenly where's the money, and oh my goodness, it's a lot of money, and why didn't we think of this? And it was it was awful, it was horrible uh, to go through and figure out all the details you have to suddenly put together at a moment that you can't even think straight. And here's here's the irony of this, Paul. A lot of veterans, and that's what I want to talk about, final expenses and, and, and with veterans, right. and, but veterans in particular. Because a lot of veterans assume that the military is going to take care of their final expenses, meaning that, mm-hmm. okay, I served, and you know they're just going to take care of it. Well, no. What they're going to do in, in most cases, 95% of the time, they're going to give you a plot they're going to give you a burial stone, a, bur- a, a headstone, head, a, a marker, right. a marker, a burial marker, and they're going to they're going to uh, afford your family with the honors. 
Yes, they will come out. There was so they did came out. That's for my father, who was a veteran too. They came out and they will fold the flag or you know their exactly organizations. Which is nice. Yeah, but what they Beautiful. won't do is cover the mortuary expenses. No, and again, a lot of ver- veterans don't understand that. So what they'll say is like, you know, honey, you know, honey, my wife or my girlfriend, you know, don't worry about this. My stuff is taken care of, Mm-mm. and so they are under the false impression that you know this person, this veteran, passed away and everything is taken care of when it's not. And what I'm telling people, especially veterans, make sure that you already have a copy of your DD-214. Okay, and give me that again. That's a form, a, form, a discharge form. A lot form. of veterans understands this. It's a discharge paper, and I was going to get into what the details are for the civilians. But the, a DD-214 is your discharge papers, and it lets you know uh, the type of discharge that you had, the type of service, and your length of service. Mm-hmm. And so what the what they look at is, were you in the military long enough and was your discharge of, of such a nature that you're entitled to this benefit? Yeah, honorable discharge. So, right. Whatever, yeah. So if your family members, when you pass away as a veteran and your loved ones don't even know what a DD-214 is, they can't even start the process. Mm-hmm. No, I, we, so, we didn't know where to go. Now, I, again, somebody dies. You don't have weeks or months to figure this out. We've got to put them in the ground this week. Yes. Or, or we got to or dispose of the body, or we got to do something here. We got to cremate them. We got to do something. And if this hasn't been thought out or figured out, and I'll tell you the other thing that happens. And I'm an only child, so I didn't have this happen. But my wife has a couple of sisters, and normally they get along pretty good. They've got issues, you know. Family's got issues. They start fighting about this stuff. Well, Dad wouldn't do this. Well, I don't want to do this. I'm not going to go for that. And everybody's got an opinion about. The, the kind of service and where we're going to do this and how we're going to do it and the mom's all upset and everybody's oh my god you're fighting and you're upset and you're trying to sift through this stuff and here i am over here what do i know i'm trying to figure this out and on behalf of an unhappy family exactly and i tell you what and you know with my background being insurance and i you know i've gone through this i don't know how many times but really the person that puts up the money for the funeral that's the person that's in charge yeah. and that's the one that has the final say so yeah and that's what causes a lot of the animosity in the in the family, yes. because people they feel powerless at that point. Even though this was their dad and their mom or whatever, or brother sister, and they felt a close connection, they have no say so as far as the um, you know how that funeral is going to be arranged. Because again, it's almost like going to dinner, and you got five yeah. people sitting down at the table, and you can't afford your meal, and when it comes time to you know placing the order and they know that you can't afford certain things, there's certain items on that menu that you're just not going to get, even though you probably wanted some of those things, but because you're and, not And you want it. to, as, as the people left behind, assuming that you had a close relationship and you care for these people, let's start with that assumption that this wasn't somebody you hadn't seen or you don't like or whatever, um, but assuming that they meant something to you, this is your last moment to honor them. This is your last moment to do something. And so many in today's world want to shirk that duty. I'm sorry to sound like duty is an old-fashioned guy here. By God, I felt a duty to, to send them off in a way that was appropriate to their life, that celebrated their life, that, that they'd be proud of, that they didn't just disappear. Too many today, I don't know, they're just gone. What happened to your aunt, your uncle, your dad, your mom, your brother? Oh, they're gone. Where'd they go? What, did you have a funeral? Did you have anything? Oh, no, we couldn't afford a funeral. We didn't do anything. They're just gone. And again, like, the, the, you're kidding me. It, it, it's 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 something like you said, Paul. You know, it's it's inevitable. But we 
people don't want to talk about it. They want to put it off. They want it like an ostrich. They want to put their head in the yes. ground. But these are things, especially when we're talking about closing the wealth gap and generational wealth. These are things that we have to talk about. Because if you find you find yourself in a position where you, you're in a two-income household, and now you're in a one-income household. Yes, right. But you still have bills. For a two-income household. That reflect yeah. two people. Right. You still have... Uh, even like even filing your taxes, we call it a widow tax. A lot of a lot of women find themselves in in a in a worse scenario because when they were filing their taxes, they were filing jointly. Yeah, right. But now that person is gone, so now they have to file as an individual. So my father was the exception. He he thought through this. He and I he would always take me aside periodically and say, "Here's where everything is," and I, and he was so detailed about it that that was the kind of person he was. Um, he get left instructions. Here's the kind of I, I want the full Catholic service. I, I right. want these songs. Um, I want to, and, and he, the the funny one I always said because my dad loved to have a cocktail or two. Good Irishman, and he said, and I don't want you going cheap. He said, I know you're going to try and save some money, and you know I don't want you going cheap. So I want the good booze. I want a big party, and I want the good booze, and I want it out, out displayed so everybody can see. And I always laugh, so I made a big point. And I thought, you know, this is my last chance to honor my father. Whatever disagreements we had, or, or he was a great guy. He took good care of me. We certainly had our issues along the way, like most fathers and sons uh, of a certain era. Um, but I, this was my last chance to honor him, and exactly. I wanted to make sure I did it right, and you I know, did I it well. You, and my, I recently lost my dad, uh, you know, a couple of years ago, and it, it mm-hmm. seemed like it, you know, seemed like it was yesterday. But then the time is just just flying by. Right. But I remember sitting in, uh, sitting in the, the mortuary, and I had my um, uh, I have one sister and, and, and uh, five brothers, but it was three brothers at the time. Uh, and I, I said, take that back, two brothers at the time, my sister and my mother. And I remember uh, we were sitting down, we were, we were uh, talking with the talking with the funeral director, and my mother, she said, you know, this is the last thing that I could ever do for him. Yes. And so she she meticulously just went over everything, mm-hmm. everything. And, you know, with me, again, being in the business and, you know, I'm looking at the scale, mm-hmm. uh, you know, just being practical. And my mother said, I want this. I want that. I want this. I want that. And mm-hmm. the price of the funeral just was going up and oh. up and up and up yeah. and up. But this is her husband. They've been together for over 57 years right and so i kind of alluded to well mom you know um you know we're at this amount right now you know kind of like uh here's what you got mom and here's where you want to go here yeah um but the bottom line when it was all said and done she got exactly what she wanted Mm -hmm. and again with me being in the business and understanding that for a lot of families my job is to keep that cost as low as possible or and to prepare myself, for it. That's right. really today's show. So how can somebody prepare for it? Because first you got to be mentally prepared for it. you got to face facts. It's going to happen. And you don't want to leave this mess in somebody else's hands. And maybe you do want to leave yourself, have some vision of how this is. And my mother was like, I don't care what, what you do with me. But my dad was, no, I want a, I want a proper send-off here. Um, well, I, I, I tell you what, my, my dad was totally against life insurance at one point in his life. <laughs> didn't want to talk so about many it. Are. Didn't want to hear about it. And again, I'm in the business. I'm his son. You right. know, and this is back. I started back in 1990. It's like, Dad, you know, we need to take care of this, take care of that, and do some things. Oh, I don't want to hear about that. You know, that's just a rip off, blah, blah, blah. Right. 
Um, but he worked uh, on his job. Uh, there was a company, uh, I'm not going to mention the name, but uh, some, some of the reps would come in. And I kind of whispered in his ear a few times and sowed some seeds. So he finally got some life insurance on himself, uh, my mother, and my, my younger brothers at mm-hmm. the time. Mm-hmm. And fast forward to, uh, I think it was uh, uh, 2000, actually it was uh, 2001. Uh, my 19-year-old brother was killed in a car accident. Oh, my goodness. Yikes. And, uh, again, devastating. Um, I was, you know, went to, I had to go to my, flew out to see my parents, uh, took care of all the arrangements as far as the insurance and the whole nine yards. And the, the, the brother, uh, the accident that they were in, the brother that was driving the car, uh, he got arrested for vehicular manslaughter. Oof. So my mother had to bury one, the baby of the family, 19-year-old, and had to defend the other one. And at the time, again, I, I, like for me, I'm first generation of wealth. So, but the time, my, my dad was a, um, you know, he worked nine to five. He worked for somebody. He was he working for the living, money. The money you know, wasn't so, working for him. He was working for the money. Right. So he wasn't, he wasn't a rich man. But um, we had final expense insurance. Wow, and the insurance go. policy, not only did it take care of my brother as far as all the burial, uh, but my bro- my, he also had an accidental policy that if oh. my brother was killed in an accident, yeah, right. it was double indemnity. Double indemnity so yeah. my mother and my father was able to bury the baby and at the same time defend the other one, my other brother, uh, that had been arrested for vehicular manslaughter. And, and again, that's when I really understood that justice is not about, in, America, in the United States, it's, it's, justice is green. Yeah. how much money you have and it's about it's, what you can prove and what you can't prove it's not necessarily about what's right and wrong all and right so we had the money to 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 get a really good lawyer right. uh to get my but again had my had they not had that insurance the the situation could have lost totally two different could have lost two exactly so so let's final, go through some quick ideas here on finally so we've spent the majority of the show just trying to wake people up that it's coming it's here don't stick your head in the sand be prepared and uh, and what does that mean? Uh, insurance is certainly part of it. How does that work? So the, the the solution is, you know, and when we say final expense insurance, we're talking about a smaller a smaller life insurance policy. It's still regular life insurance. Uh, it's considered ordinary life insurance, but it's a smaller denomination, meaning that you can get these policies for like twenty thousand dollars. Right. There's a lot of popular commercials out there that'll say, well, we, you know, we'll get you we, you can get insurance for nine dollars and ninety five cents a month. Well, what that means is that it's $9.95 per unit. So a unit is representative of a thousand. Mm. So the reason I'm putting this out there is because a lot of times I see these commercials on television and they'll say it's, you know, final expense insurance uh, is guaranteed acceptance. You cannot be turned, right. da- turned down. But what they're talking about is some of those policies, you're going to have a two year limit when you buy the policy. Right. Now, what does that mean? This means that the policy is it's a what? modified coverage. What that if you get a modified policy and you're paying nine dollars and ninety five cents per unit, if you want a ten thousand dollar policy, it's going to be close to one hundred dollars a month and it's going to have a two year waiting period on it. The reason people need to understand that is because a lot of times somebody will buy a life insurance policy, especially final expense, and they think that they have insurance from day one. Mm-hmm. No, you have a two year waiting period. What that means is if you die within the first year of that policy or the second year, the insurance company can give you back the money that you put in. Mm. It's not going to pay what the contract specifies, whereas there's $10,000, yeah, They don't, want, they don't want to insure somebody they know is dying or that's going to go kill themselves or something else. Exactly. Well, there's a two-year waiting period. So again, it's called, 
It's, a, in, in, it's called incontestability. Once a policy, a life insurance policy has been enforced, uh, especially here in California, uh, it's incontestable after two years. So the insurance company has up to two years to contest a policy. After mm-hmm. two years, they can't contest it. Even if a person can literally commit suicide. Yeah. And that policy. Because the assumption is pay. if you're really going to commit suicide, you're not going to be very few people plan two years in advance to kill themselves. Exactly. Uh, exactly. So if, if that's so this, on your mind, you're not going to wait two years. Right. Exactly. So my so the so the 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 purpose of this show today is to tell people make sure you have final expense insurance, these small policies that, that cover the burial. Because in most cases, Paul, they pay within 24 hours. Yeah, no tax, no nothing. Come, tax money comes free. right, right to tax, you. You're, so you're literally buying money. So if you look at your checking account or your savings account, you see $500 or $1,000 in there, and you think, well, that's not enough to bury some. But guess what? If $1,000 in a, in, a, in, in a checking or savings account is enough for a premium, a monthly premium, to whereas you can leverage that you go. for there you go. five, ten thousand, twenty thousand dollars. And what's the average uh, final expenses these days? Even forget caskets and burials in the ground and all the stuff that so few want to do. Just a quick cremation and sprinkle the ashes somewhere here. There's no plot. There's no uh, niche. There's no nothing. You just want to dispose of the body and do something. You're still spending thousands of dollars to do and, and this. On average, it's about three thousand dollars for what you just said. Yeah. On average. I couldn't believe it. My aunt didn't want anything, and I thought, okay. And it was like, yeah, like three, I think it was even more than that, uh, just to get cremated. Yeah. Baseline as far as three thousand. It can go higher than that, from three to six. Oh, yeah. But on, you know, on average, about about three around $3,000. So, but, but again, even though you have a final expense life insurance policy, you need to make sure that you have funeral planning. Funeral Your planning. dad is the exception. He was, he was not the norm. No, right. People don't want to do those funeral plannings. Oh no. So what I tell people is like if you don't if you don't if you don't want to do it yourself, pair up. You know, like again, we I'm all about coaching. If you don't want to do it yourself, link up. Uh, there's a service called the Funeral Consumer Guardian Society or funeralconsumer.org. Okay. Uh, Google you can either Google Funeral Consumer Guardian Society or go to funeralconsumer.org. Uh, check them out. They're not going to charge you anything for getting this information. Mm-hmm. There's certain there's there's particular life insurance companies out there that when you buy a policy for them, you're automatically going to be enrolled into the Funeral Consumer Guardian Society. Really? Okay. And you get a, and you get a membership card, Paul. You get a membership card and you keep that card either in your yeah. wallet or you put it on a refrigerator or you give one of those cards to a loved one to let them know, hey, look, if when that time comes, all you have to do is call the number on this card. And everything is already taken care of. So the two things I want to strike home, having been through this now numerous times, because I'm at that age, and watching others who didn't think this through and and the difficulties they went through, is one, it is money. It costs. It's not free to come into this world, and it sure ain't free to go out of this world. Uh, So you're going to have to prepare for that. Whether you like it and think that's fair or not, that's just a fact. And you can say, forget it and let them, I'm gone, let everybody worry about it. But you're sticking a big burden to a lot of people at the moment that they can't think straight. Yes. And that's when they're taken advantage of. Yeah. That's when they take, they take, as a matter of fact, there's a, they wrote a, there's a law called the funeral rule. And it got so bad that they had to really regulate the funeral home industry uh, just to let them know, hey, look, because a lot of times uh, people didn't know that they can negotiate even on a casket. Yes, that's they a big they one. They have to buy the casket from the funeral home when that, literally they can, they can buy the casket from Costco. 
and and you can buy the casket from as crazy as that is they sell a lot of caskets through costco and you can do the same thing with cremation services there are less expensive ones than the Absolutely. funeral home will offer uh, all these things that Absolutely. they were jacking the price up because you're crying you're upset and hey you got to take care of them don't you okay like your mom and okay because you're probably getting premium caskets and this and that and all sorts of stuff yeah and guess what it doesn't hit the family until maybe weeks or month months later and they say wow what what have we done what did we do yeah because a lot of times they didn't have the money to pay for us and now they got all these bills coming in mm -hmm. and it's like wow they were already struggling it, it, with, with two it, incomes now it, they're just factoring in folks you're going to have to face the facts that you're it's, it costs money to leave this planet uh, dead or alive and uh, you better be prepared to uh, take advantage of for your own sake, for your own honor, for your own grace, for your own, and for those you leave behind, it doesn't seem like it's that difficult to do. But how do they reach you if, if somebody else wants to? Because you obviously sell insurance, and we're not trying to promote this show to do that. But there are insurance policies you can offer people, and you sell them other people. You can give them advice on how to, what kinds of policies you need, what kind of funds you need to have. Um, the assumption is somebody will take care of it. The government will take care of it. The veterans will take care of the association. No, forget it. And, Paul, I, I would like to say, though, before I give them my information, what, what's easy to do is easy not to do. Oh, yeah. Because it's not going to happen forever. Tyrone, yeah. I'm 65. I've got another 30. You talk to me in 30 years, buddy. I don't need to hear this now. Yeah, it was uh, the, the master communicator Jim Rohn said that. I heard him say that, man. It just it just stuck with me. It was easy to do. It's easy not to do. Yeah. So, again, you know, if you want to reach out to me, you know, it's, it's TyroneFrench.com. There's a lot of information and videos on there at my particular website that you can get the information and research it. Uh, you can go to Closing the Wealth Gap. If you want to just listen to this program again, go to ClosingTheWealthGap.net. And, again, if you got any questions, you know, Please feel free to, to contact me, text me, email me, uh, give me a call. Uh, there's no cost or obligation just to get information. Right. Whether you do business with me or not, get the information that you need. Right. Well, that's why we listen to the show, to get information like this, to get slapped in the face once in a while and wake up because there are ways to close the wealth gap or to make it worse. And uh, this show is all about being smart, being proactive, and thinking ahead. Absolutely. All right. Well, thank you for thinking ahead on a topic nobody wants to talk about ever until it happens. And then you wonder, why didn't I do something? Well, you did. You took the first step. You listened today to Closing the Wealth Gap. You've been listening to Closing the Wealth Gap, the one show, maybe the only show that tries to show you the way to living a better life, a financially healthy life, and preparing for the inevitability of what's coming next. Right here in Orange County's only community radio station, OCTalkRadio.net.